carbonly conversation. Quick question. Is this the podcast? Are we doing the podcast right now? Now, how's your garden doing? It's going good. I'll send you some pictures. I've got, you can actually see tomatoes now. Um, so tomatoes are starting to grow. Um, peppers are getting bigger. So those are doing good. And then I, over the couple days ago, I planted um, some squash, a watermelon, and okay. something else in my backyard. So we'll see how That's- those go. Yeah, like depends on the fall, I think, how well they'll turn out, but you never know. Um, it's surprising since this is your first summer, like this hot heat, those like tomatoes, cucumbers, pe- they love this stuff. They really? love, yeah. so if you keep them, you don't want to water them during the hot part of the day, but it, yeah. you know, because that'll burn their leaves and stuff, especially when they're younger. I usually um, go around like 7.30 in the morning. Yep. Early morning, mm-hmm. late evening. It's right. a game changer i'm excited to and then i've got some care i don't know how you know when carrots are done though because that you know it's under so it's just the little leaf part growing above ground so i gotta kind of so the easiest way is like you can kind of move the dirt around and then you can get like a scalp of how big they are okay um the thing about carrots if you haven't done already like you need to thin them like, because the seeds, if you hand seeded them, they're really tiny and it's hard to get them space. Okay. If that's what you did, like if you sprinkle them in, they'll grow up all next to each other. And oh no, I, bunch. I spread them out. Yeah, I spread oh, them. Oh, were you? Okay. So if you don't need to thin them, then like just kind of dig around and feel your feel your way to. And the longer they're in there, of course, the bigger they get. But the sweeter and juicier they are, the younger they are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm a. I guess I'll give it a couple more weeks. I don't because I don't know. I can find the date that I planted them, so I don't know how long it takes for those to like fully develop. But I guess that's my point. Is like they'll keep developing until you pull them. Oh, okay. Okay. That they don't stop growing in that sense, um, but they get like, what's the right word? Um, more fibrous the longer they grow. Okay. But at the same time, like once they've kind of matured and got like, you know, what you would expect like a larger carrot to look like when the ground gets cold, they produce more sugars and they get sweeter. Okay. I don't even know. Turnips do the same thing. What's that? I don't even know what type I planted. I forget what type I planted. I think they're just the multicolored ones. Mm -hmm. I always like, I like to plant the ones, I think they, they were called like Nantes, Nantes, N-A-N-T-E-S. But they were known known for growing mostly coreless. So usually like when you get a bigger carrot, it has like that inner core. It's uh-huh. like these ones didn't have that or have that as much. So you had more of the nice fleshy part around. Um, a, a better eating, like a r- better raw, eating raw carrot, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Yeah, hopefully next summer I'll have some. I mean, you'll have a whole year of experience of what you do and don't like. Try new stuff. 
I was looking to see who was at my door. There's a guy walking around trying to cut people's grass, and it's literally raining right now. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I meant to send you, um, I read that article. That that was really, I think thrifting is a, a great topic, so I don't know if we could just use this to, like, I had a couple points that we could discuss, and then we could just use this to brainstorm and then, like, really record it next time or just whenever. No, yeah. Like, and I think we can, like, I I feel like a couple questions. The one specifically is, like, how did you experience thrifting as a kid? How do you experience thrifting as an adult? Like, that's okay. something I think would be great to start. I was also thinking about today. I was trying to, like, recall it's been a full day. My brain's tired. But, um. Like, what impact does thrifting have in, like, these economic uncertainty? Especially when you think about the article that we read, um, how to make thrifting, how to make sure your thrifting is actually sustainable for all. Um, I thought the, 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 the salient points in there are about, like, if you go thrifting in a neighbor, like a lower income neighborhood and you live in the outer affluent suburbs, like, you are driving up prices on goods that people need. Right. As a, as a, as a commodity, not as like a cool thing. Yeah. Um, That was one of the, that's actually one of the um, bullet points I had written down is for us to discuss. Cause I feel like when people talk about thrifting, they don't really think about that too much. They just think about like you can find good quality brands for cheap prices, but they don't really think about, you know, like, okay, I'm, a little bit more. I'm, I'm not necessarily shopping here because I don't have the money. I'm doing it for, for other reasons. So like, should I take every nice product that I find or should I leave some behind for hopefully for someone that actually does need it at that price, you know? Totally. Like what does your demand for thrift do to others, people's ability to buy thrift? Right. Um, so and like, I just was reflecting. Go ahead, sir. No, I was just saying thrifting ethically and yeah. and still being sustainable because just because you're shopping and buying secondhand doesn't necessarily mean you're being, you know, because what happens is is people because there's because it's cheap, people will buy more of it and only wear it. They're basically turning it into fast fashion because they're only wearing it once or twice. That's what I think the article is implying. Like yeah. how true that is. Like, like I don't disagree with the premise, but do people do that? I, I imagine there's a subset of people, right, that are doing right. that. Right. I would imagine, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't think it would be a large population. You know. Yeah. Um, I think in addition to that, I, what I was thinking about today was like the economy and like um, inflation. And doubt how much are prices at a thrift store impacted by rising prices of in, rising due to inflation, right? Like, yeah. Are they at all? Are are you getting priced out that way? Or because I'd also imagine the demand for thrift, clothes and home goods and supplies increases. It's got to be yeah some kind of you know factor of more than two. You would think, anyways the higher brand new stuff costs, which is the space, the world we're in currently. I also think with the resale market, 
from what I've I've noticed that thrift stores are have obviously caught on to that trend. And there's like, you know how like every thrift store has like that back counter where it's like the more high end, high end things. So I've noticed over the years for those things to those have become like the nice pair of Jordans that somebody donated or, you know what I mean? Like the kind of the trendy, the trendy items instead of like what it used to be, like the, you know, the high class dishware or, you know. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's like the one space in the thrift store under lock and key. Yeah. Where someone has to pass you the item. And then now you can tell like whoever, I'd be interested to look further into like how they come up with the pricing for stuff. I know some are just oh. very, every t-shirt is this price, every sweatshirt is this price, but then there's some where every item has its own, you know, custom price. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, like it's just funny how now you just kind of see how it's they're very trendy items that are back there. And it's like mm-hmm. how someone is doing the research and they're pricing it because when I was younger, there was never like a pair of tennis shoes priced at $50 at the thrift store. You know, yeah. but now they're, you know, they're B now. So I, I think in my memory bank, it was video games or video game cartridges, mm-hmm. jewelry, mm-hmm. and like, to your point, like dishes, pottery, or like little statues or collectibles that yeah. had some type of higher value. Yeah. My guess is, I don't remember this, but um, Beanie Babies probably sat up on those shelves at one time. I'm sure. Um, which is a fun throwback. The Beanie Bag Index, the Beanie Baby Index. Um, well, they, and what, then the one article that I had sent, it said only... 10 to 20% of the donated items actually make it to display. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that I knew one, like the majority of it's put in bales and yeah. And just sent to other countries and done, you know, whatever. So I guess one good topic could be like the thrifting, thrifting ethically, but like, from from the other aspect of like donating so like now there's donating ethically no like making like don't just dump all of your old stuff at the thrift store just because it's an easy way to get rid of it you know what i mean like you know have a yard sale there's so many different apps now where you can sell things facebook marketplace craigslist You you named it you know what I mean? And then especially with the economy and everything like that, like why not make a few extra dollars at the same time? You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking back when I would go to the thrift store regularly in my time in central Minnesota, we'd go to Goodwill most of the time. You had the big store fl- floor. Yeah. And if I remember right, like as a kid, I remember being in that same space, but it was like a Kmart or something, a Shopco, like retailer. And then that moved to a bigger version of itself. And this one opened instead mm-hmm. or Goodwill backfilled into it. But in the back, like where I imagine all the shipping and receiving was like, there's this, it, like you could see, cause it was just a curtain and there was just a pile. Everything got thrown in a pile. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I always wondered how they sifted and sorted it. Yeah. And to your point earlier, like most of it, like especially clothing ends up in like, and I've actually did a little research on this in a, for a college class. And most of it gets like put into bales, like giant bales, like so compacted in the like. Have you ever seen like one of those cardboard yeah, crushers you, in the back? I've ran those, yeah. Yeah, but they bale it with some of it going to third nation, third you know countries in Africa or you know Asia, Eastern European Europe, with the intent to like have clothes. Some of them, like an article listed, like that's going to yeah. like be like re- repurposed or shredded into other materials, mm-hmm. which is very labor and cost extensive. But what I remember learning, and I should probably validate there's some research, but those bales, when you put all that stuff together, some of that stuff rots, and like God knows what's the the percentage of stuff that just is garbage by the time it gets there. Yeah. And then additionally, the thing that like I remember writing the most about or like researching into was so imagine being a Gambia making up a country and that, that is a country in Africa, but you're Gambia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, at the geography time of Chad. My memory says it's the the western part of Africa, but along the coast in the okay. Atlantic Ocean. Where my where where my memory serves. Could be totally wrong. Um so imagine you being Gambia and you're starting a clothing factory and you want to produce goods locally to sell shirts or socks to your community and all of a sudden like a boatload of socks and shirts in these bales show up that were who knows what it costs to get there not a lot um what does that do to your marketplace yeah like what is the incentive to even start that business like so you're it it it's dumb like in the sense of like economically speaking like and then you like how do how does a country that needs to build things because that's where value is added down the, the the manufacturing chain? It's like you start with a raw good and you add value by taking the cotton and turning it into thread, taking the thread and weaving it into sheets, using the sheets to make t-shirts. T-shirts get embossed with something so it has a logo on it and then dyed. And like, and if you own multiple stages of that, like that's every step you make take you can add percentage of value to that that you reap back in return you can't do that if you're not doing any of those things like in the simplest sense um so that was like a big conundrum so even though to your point earlier like it's not like ethically thrifting like ethically i'm not even sure if i'm saying that word right um donating is huge yeah from that perspective yeah, and then I mean I would argue that ties into recycling. Like, how do you actually recycle things? Yeah, what to recycle? And then I'm, now I'm on a roll. I'm rampaging here. Um, carbonly roll, take <laughs> it to the limit. Um, so back to your like, how much are you buying? Are you creating this extra demand that's feeling your full closet that you're trying to responsibly get rid of that creates all these downstream impacts that creates more clothes that are going to get produced because you just like, it's a catch 22. Yeah. So, I mean, so stop here. Here's what I'm doing to be carbon late. I'm wearing the same t-shirts and I haven't bought new ones for a while. Same. So I've had this shirt like 
I've had this shirt easily eight or nine years, probably. Wow. Yeah, so now it's turned into um, just like a work outside shirt. So now I have a separate drawer where once shirts start getting stained up and, you know, some holes on it, I'll, I'll use it as an outdoor to cut the grass or work in the yard type shirt for a little bit until that gets too worn out. So. I will say when I was really carbonly, I would, f- same thing. And then once it, it wore out its purpose in that drawer, then it would be turned into a rack. That that's gonna be my and, next step yeah. in my carbonly lifestyle. Like, getting to that point, my mom, like, my mom, yeah. trust me, I grew up. We had rags made out of everything, you know. Yeah, so, like what was this gonna help clean? Until yeah. like it was no longer useful to do that, and then you didn't feel so bad about throwing it away, or it just kind of decomposes. <laughs> right, right. So, but again, that's an assumption. I have no idea. Like, did it? Did those shirts that I used to sop up something or it'd be nice. It'd be nice to like be able to trace a shirt to see, you know, like a shirt that you had growing up or something to be able to see like where. Yeah. 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 You know, like we, we grew up, the hand-me-downs were just the, the big thing growing up. I mean, especially I had an older brother. So I, of course, everything that was still wearable once he couldn't fit it, you know, got passed down to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I passed it down to cousins. And so, I mean, there were, there were some outfits that, you know, were worn by four different kids growing up, you know, that were just passed down, especially if it was an expensive, you know, good name brand product. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you get the gerbos. You get the gerbos. You get the gerbos. Yeah, I had gerbos. I don't know if I ever passed them down, because that was back when we used to wear, like, size 40 jeans, you know. Oh, the baggy, baggy. (laughs) I wonder where, that's where I would like to know, is where are are all those 5X t-shirts and size 42 jeans that, like, 120 pound kids used to wear back in the early 2000s. Where are all those at? <laughs> That's a great question, Shane. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> all the, I mean, I would wear basketball jerseys that went almost down to my knee. You know, we looked ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you were cool at that moment. We thought, we thought. It's all that matters. But I, I'll definitely have a lot of um, like stories. I mean, I grew up in a thrift store. Uh, like I don't know about like my mom even worked part time at a thrift store for a few years. Oh really? Yeah. So that was kind of cool because she got to see the stuff, you know, as it came in. When you know, whenever she sorted or whatever it was they done, they did in the back. So she would actually like find hiding places within the store and any good things that went on the floor, she would hide them until she had the money to buy them, you know, until payday or whatever. Then she would yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd go to her little stash and come home with, you know, a bag full of, my mom was really, really good at picking like really good quality clothes. Sure. At the thrift store to the point where like, I mean, she would, 
she would almost dress like a few older family members that live in Alabama because you know she would she would know everyone's sizes, so she would sure for like nice things for them to wear to church and always on the lookout and just accumulate it and then eventually just send a huge box of clothes down south to family with to be wrapped to you know whoever's whoever's package that was it'd have their name on it and it'd be separate mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. for different family members and then. That's all that's that's all some people talk about is like how good quality stuff my mom buys to where, you know, whenever they come visit Ohio, that's one of the first trips they want to take. They think our thrift stores are like just so amazing. Oh, sure. My mom has found. But it's just all the work that she's done to curate that box. Yep. She she takes her time. Yeah. She goes in there and takes her time and yeah, just finds. That's interesting. So I, I think that would be fun to share because I mean it's definitely uh, it's it's been impactful on my not just like my immediate family but like my whole family. It's been it's kind of like mm-hmm. just a way that my my mom will never she's never really buys anyone brand new things. But if you say you need something, she'll go try to find it at the thrift store or like a yard sale. She, she'll get it. Yeah, I think my mom was kind of the same way. She would buy new things. We were definitely I think more had more wealth than you your mom and you guys growing up but not by a lot yeah um not that it matters in the sense of like but but i think that resonates a lot with like like my like if it wasn't new she's gonna find a good quality equivalent secondhand yeah through the whatever channels and that whole what you just shared shane make has me thinking or reflecting on the article about this, like ethically thrifting is like, you know, like the value of going to the same thrift store or like your mom's example work net one is it's always changing. So like there's a bunch of stuff that don't fit you. Like, you know, finding your size is always yeah. the, the first thing. Um, and then it's gotta be something you wear or is of good quality. So you have to go regularly. So like the article like stress, don't do that. Don't shop regularly. But like to actually, because that's the trade off of going to a, you know, any type of thrift store is that there is no continuity in size, style, color, fit. That's what you go to the department store for because they're producing it new and you can get what you need. Exactly. Um, And it kind of makes shopping there funner because you just never know what you're going to find like that it's a treasure hunt right you know i think recently it's probably more than a month ago but uh i think it was a woman down in austin texas she identified or bought it because she believed it to be like it was a statue's head and it turned out to be missing from like the yeah not really the louvre but but some like some big museum and it was vetted and proved to be the actual thing that's like you know made in the rope by the romans or the greeks like yeah and how it ended up at the thrift store in austin texas god knows back to the question like what happened to my size 42 you know jabos you know (laughs) like how did this end up there like that's a fun (laughs) story to think about no yeah make make up and i i mean i just remember yeah, I mean, my mom would just come home with things, and she would just think it was the greatest find in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I moved into, like, got divorced and moved into my first home, that's how I, I stocked it, all the kitchen, 
like was and I, and I and it was piece by piece, like interesting glassware, yeah. Like, but it was quality. Like I wouldn't like I would just go without knives for a while until I found what I needed, you know. Or yeah. and none of it quite matched, except for it was an eclectic set that you know yeah. had some theme or variability of theme um, that I had a lot of pride in. Like that, yeah. that's the thing that I like because I found this. I bought this at a deal. I was looking for something and waited until I got the thing that worked, <laughs> made the most sense. There's even I saw a YouTube video with a guy that he he's a big thrifter and I mean like all of his silverware in his home is like actual silver forks and knives that he's found out you know because he just digs through them he looks for the silver code on every single one and every now and then he'll luck up and find an actual you know silver utensil at the thrift store and he's just collected them over the years and he has a very valuable collection now you know so like you could just look at it from there's just so many uh different angles for thrifting it can be you can actually make a living off of it you can look at it from a way of uh being ethical about it you can look at it away from of just saving yourself money you know and yeah you know, find the things that you need um because yeah i have i've bought quite a I, that might be a good idea too i'll i'll uh take some good pictures and that could be one of the social media posts for this is like some good finds that i've found to help decorate my house or things like that mm-hmm. on the thrift mm-hmm. Cause I've, you know, I've found some cool art and different things. So lamps and whatnot. So, but no, I, this is one of my favorite topics right now for sure. Cause this, this goes into just every, all kinds of other things like that can introduce into the oh, totally. people that I follow that do the resale. Cause I would also like to pick their brain on like, how do they feel about that? Cause it's, it's not very ethical what they're doing if you think about it i mean they are kind of like making sure that these items get reused but at the same time they're shipping these items across the world sometimes um you know what i mean so it's kind of like the impact they're having after like reselling it especially they're taking very good items out of the thrift store that someone that doesn't have the money and is not doing it for resale purposes may need maybe picking their brain to see how they feel when they kind of think about it from that angle, you know? Yeah. Like in a non-confrontational way. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I totally get it. Love it. Well, that feels like a good place to, to like end our, our first foray into thrifting. 